sermon podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here before you in the honor. I'd just like to thank God for allowing me to speak this morning. He has placed something on my heart, and I think it's for us today. Amen. Amen. And I just I thank Pastor Jade and Pastor Christy and the pastoral staff here for allowing me this time. And just been real, real uh, deep into the messages that he has taught. And those messages are heart messages, you know, messages of heart. He said the first one that, that I remember, the heart of a Christian life. How do you operate in the Christian life? He said, you can't give what you don't have. And that's love. Amen. We should have some love in our hearts. Amen. Come on, y'all come alive in here. I'm from the old school. I like people talking to me. All right. I might not. I'm going to answer you. God going to answer you. Amen. But I need to hear some noise this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. And then the next message that I remember, he says, living in the time of harvest, having your eyes and recognizing when it's time for harvest and engaging those conversations for harvest time. And right in the middle of that, we had a little table talk. We put our friendship a little bit on display and we began to talk about some things. I think I talked more than he did, but amen. And, and one of the things that came out of it was this particular phrase, covering before correcting. And I've had quite a few people asking me, what did you mean by that? What did you mean by that? And I told them, and they heard it, and I left. Amen. So I just want to kind of dig into that just a little bit more because I feel like that it's the time and the hour for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then I want to thank my wife. I will be remiss if I don't thank my wife for her support and her leaving me alone while I was in study. Amen? And me leaving her alone while I was in study. Amen? All right, and I, I'm just so thankful to God that my children are doing well. I got a son that's in the Army over there at Fort Hood, and I got a, another son that's doing some IT work, and, and then my, my middle son. See, we, we got the bigs, we got the middle, and then we got the littles. So my middle son just graduated this year from high school, and he decided to pledge his allegiance to the Navy. Amen. Amen. Because I give them six choices. When they're growing up, I give them six choices. You can go to college, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, or Coast Guard. And I think we got the Space Force now. So that's seven right there. Then we got Job Corps and the Workforce. You know, we got a whole lot of options. But you can't stay here. You got to go. You got to go enjoy life. Amen. But he's pledged his allegiance to the Navy. I'm like, son, you grew up in an Army household. Tell me about this Navy thing. I say, if Navy is playing Army, go Army. If Air Force is playing Navy, go Army. Listen, it's all about go Army. But, hey, man, he pledges allegiance to the Navy. And in him pledging his allegiance, one thing that he has to realize is that he no longer belongs to himself. He pledged his allegiance. Just think about that just for a moment. 
he pledged his allegiance to the Navy. I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will, and it goes on to make you pledge, but they do more than just that. They make you write down your name, sign on this dotted line, this contract, because they need something on paper, amen. But he pledges allegiance. Y'all remember pledging your allegiance in school? I pledge my allegiance to the flag. Do we still do that? I don't know. I don't know. I used to do it. But we pledged our allegiance. Some people do it. All right. I think some schools do it, right? But when we pledge our allegiance, this word allegiance kind of jumped out at me. He pledges his loyalty, his commitment, his dedication, his mindset to the Navy. Same thing I did. I pledged my allegiance to the Army. I didn't know what that meant at first. But sooner or later, they make you know what it means. Amen. I remember the first time I went on leave. The Army gives us 30 days a year. And the first time I went on leave, I had my paperwork right. My supervisor said, hey, you're good to go. And I said, all right. So I went from Fort Hood, Texas, all the way to Georgia, about a 12 to 14-hour drive. And I'm driving along, and I get there, and I'm just tired as I can be. And then all of a sudden, I get a phone call. The phone call was from this acting first sergeant. I'll never forget his name. First sergeant Carmichael. I'm going to call him out. I'll never forget his name. The phone call came from him, and he said, Private Smith, where are you? I say, I'm at home. He said, okay, you in the barracks? I need you to come to the office. I said, no, no, first sergeant. I'm not in the barracks. I'm at my mom and dad's home. And he says, what are you doing there? I said, I had leave. My supervisor said it was okay. He said, well, the Army regulations state that you have to physically go into the staff duty office and sign out. Yeah, I didn't sign out. I just left. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying now? He said, I need you to come in and sign out. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm not there. I'm 14 hours away. He said, I don't care. I need you to come and sign out. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh my goodness. I mean, I'm a private in our, I'm in trouble. I can't go no lower than E1. <laughs> I'm in trouble. They gonna demote me here. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Here I am, brand new to pledging my allegiance to the army and I'm already in trouble on the first time I get opportunity to leave this and he said you know what stay there he said but when you get back come see me enjoy your leave <laughs> yeah right that was probably the worst leave I ever took I'm thinking I'm in trouble I'm gonna be on extra duty they're gonna have me picking weeds out of cracks and rocks y'all know how come on in the army they, they invent stuff for us to do so I, the whole time I'm going through this, I have pledged my allegiance to a different entity, a different organization. I raised my right hand and said, hey, I'm going to be loyal. I'm going to be committed. I'm going to be trustworthy. I'm going to be steadfast. My truthfulness to this organization is going to hold true. And here I am breaking rules that I didn't even know existed. I can't blame nobody but myself. So I get back, I pull up, I go to see the first sergeant. First sergeant, Private Smith here reporting as directed. 
you told me to come see you when I got back from my leave. And he looked at me. He said, I told you to do what? I said, you told me to come see you when you got back from Lee. He said, what are you talking about, Private Smith? And I'm thinking, man, he playing with me, right? He said, get out of here. And I left quick. <laughs> he did not remember <laughs> why he told me to go see him. God saved me that time, y'all. <laughs> amen, amen. God saved me. But the deal is, I pledged my allegiance to the army. My son pledged his allegiance to the army. How much more have we pledged our allegiance to Christ? Are y'all in here? We may have raised our hands. We may have uh, offered up our heart to him, but we've pledged our allegiance. That means that we can't even think the same way that we thought before. Amen? There's a lot of things vying for our attention. Aaron told us this this morning. And they're causing us to think one way. Or think another way. Or think this way. But we are the called out ones. We can't think like we used to think before. I can't just leave and go where I want to. I got to sign out. I can't do things like I used to because 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. I want you to see this. Because it's always good to remind ourselves that we have pledged our allegiance to Christ. It's good to remind ourselves who we are in what we have done. Amen. First Peter chapter two, verse nine, it says, but you are a chosen race. Uh Oh, you're a chosen race. Do y'all see that? Is that on your screen? They working on it. Okay. Is it, this is a, this is the ESV version. When I saw this, I had to stop and pause. It said that you are a chosen race. And I like that because here we are in the world and we are separated by race a lot of times. But when we come into Christ, we are chosen as one body, as one people. Are y'all seeing this? It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. This word race, it says, an aggregate of many individuals under the same nature, under the same sort. We are the same. Y'all got to get this. We're the same. We can't think like the world thinks separating ourselves because we are the same. Sorry, you're my brother. You're my sister. I may have been on the sun a little longer than you, but hey, we the same. No, we're the same. We are all for Christ. Amen. Any Christ lovers in here? Anybody who's raised their hand and their hearts unto the Lord and said, I pledge my allegiance unto you. Therefore, let me finish this. It says you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency, that you may proclaim the excellency. Amen. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Oh, I love that. God has given us mercy. We're called out people. We're called out people. We are called out people. Come out from among them. That means don't think like them. They think crazy sometimes. They think out of emotions a lot of times. 
How many of y'all have had decisions out of your emotions and then when you got finished with doing whatever you was doing, you was like, man, I regret that. Something happened. Emotions are not designed to lead us. They're designed to assist us. But when we're in the world, they lead us and they guide us and they instruct us. I told you before, if I was in my emotions, I'd just walk around slapping people. <laughs> Amen. Right? Come on. People make you mad? Wow. Huh? Right? Because you're led by your emotions. But that's not who we are. We are called out people. We're a royal priesthood. We're led by the voice and the mindset of Christ. Amen. Amen. We have to take on a different mindset. No longer operating as the world. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And we know this. I'm just rehearsing. Amen. Oh man, that time getting away. Let me hurry up. Look here. It says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. I'm sorry, this is the New King James. Holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. Conformed. Now, I'm going to try this word, all right? I'm going to try this word. This is a Greek word. I'm going to try it. Here you go. Suse matizo. Yeah, it's all good, huh? All right. And it means to conform oneself, one's mind or character to another pattern, to fashion oneself according to another pattern. It says, be not conformed to this world. Don't fashion yourself to the pattern of the world because you are called out ones. Don't fashion yourself or conform yourself to the pattern of the world. But it says, be ye transformed. Now, I like that word. Metamorpho. Yeah, I got that one down. Metamorpho. You know, like that butterfly. All right? It's that caterpillar first. Then it goes into that cocoon. It, it metamorpho. It metamorpho. It changed to another thing. But notice this about that butterfly. It can't go back to being a caterpillar. So why do we go back to the thinking of the world's ways, the world's mind? It can't go back, even if it want to. And neither can we. We can't go back. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do we renew our minds? We get in the word daily. Yes. We seek the Lord daily. We read his word daily. It's changing our minds. We got to come out from among them. I understand we watch the news. I just think it's all bad. But we watch the news. How much more are we renewing our mind to what the world is saying and getting their mindsets? No, we got to renew our mind in the word of God. Amen? Amen. That you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. Now let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. We have to renew our minds. And I pray that I'll be quick before you here. Got me on a time constraint. I got to hurry up. It's a lot in here. I hope you're getting something out of this. Verse, verse 17, it says, Now I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. It's going to show us how these Gentiles walk. In their futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding. Why do we want to walk with dark understanding? 
we are called into the light of Christ. We want to walk in the mind of Christ. Our understanding is enlightened because of him. Amen. Amen. But the Gentiles has dark understanding, alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. Due to what? Their hardness of heart. See, the world, they want to come at us through the soul, but their hearts are hard. There's no love. We're talking about covering before correcting. See, in the Old Testament, dealing with Adam and Eve and the serpent in the garden, right? There was no covering before correcting. There was correcting then covering. Let me explain my point. God asked Adam, hey, Adam, where are you? Adam didn't even cover his wife. He said, the woman that you gave me. There was no covering there. He didn't take that responsibility. He left her exposed and naked. And then he went to the woman and he said, the serpent. There was no covering there. Left him exposed and naked. But God came with correction to each one of them. Then he killed the animal and covered them. But we're under Christ now. Christ covers us first. And then if need be, he corrects us. I'm going to show it to you. I'm going to show it to you. He covers us first, and then in need be, he correct us. Amen? Amen? They have been callous and have given themselves to sensual sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned in Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and we are taught in him as the truth in Jesus. Here it is. To put off your old self. To put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through the deceitfulness of desires. Put off your old self. Don't pick that joker up. Leave him down. There's death, darkness, and destruction in there. And you want no parts of that. We're called out ones to love. Amen? Yeah. Amen. We put that down. And then it says... And be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on your new self. Hey, new self created after the likeness of God and the truthfulness of his righteousness and his holiness. That's who we are. That's who we are. However, we have to understand that Satan is the accuser. He comes and he accuses us before God. As a matter of fact, that's what devil means. Do you know what that is? Diablos, right? Diablos. And that Greek definition is he's prone to slander. He's, this is his nature. He's prone to slander. He accuses us falsely. He is the accuser of the brethren, according to Revelation. He is the accuser. This is his nature. And we should not take on his nature. Why is it innocent until proven guilty or is it guilty till proven innocent? See, the enemy likes guilty until proven innocent. Job know about this. Just touch his body. Take everything from him. He'll curse you to your face. He's accusing Job before the Father. And God got confidence in Job, just like he have confidence in us. Go ahead and do what you got to do. They won't curse me. They pledge their allegiance to me. They love me because they know that I love them. Amen? Amen. Now, I said that I was going to show you this covering before correcting and one of my
favorite verses that I have researched and learned is John chapter 6. We are no longer under this old commandment, but we are under love. We're under love. I'm sorry, John chapter 8, 1 through 12. Here we have, and my time is getting away from me, so excuse me. I'm going to try to put this in fast forward, all right? Here we have Jesus in chapter 7. Jesus, his own family don't believe who he is. They're saying, man, you have a devil. Ain't nobody trying to kill you. The Pharisees are coming against him. The Pharisees saying, you know what? This guy speaks blasphemy. Even though he's doing these miracles and things, they're accusing him of being a false prophet. It's one thing to be accused of the world, but in your own household, your own brothers, excuse me, don't believe who you are. I can imagine that deals with your heart when you have grown up with these people. You have lived with these people. You've broken bread with them and they just don't believe you. They accuse you of having a devil. They accuse you of being a false prophet. I believe his heart was just hurting because if I can't get my family to believe me, man, who's going to believe me? So the Bible says it was his custom to go into the Mount of Olives. And I believe that Jesus went there to get away from people. He went there to get away. He went there to seek the voice of the Lord. I understand what they're saying about me, God, but what are you saying? And I'll prove it right here in chapter 8, verse 1. I'll prove it right here. It says, but when Jesus, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now look at verse 2. It says, now early in the morning he came again into the temple. Why would you come early in the morning to the very place that they was telling you that you was not the Christ? Because he got renewed in the spirit. Amen. He got renewed in his heart. He left early in the morning. And the Bible says that he began to teach the people. He said he went early in the morning to the temple and he taught the people. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. Can you imagine? I'm in here, up here on the stage. I'm teaching, and all of a sudden, some of the elders of this place just bust these doors wide open, kaboom, and they drop this lady right in the front and say, hey, she was caught in adultery. Can y'all see that picture? I don't know what y'all would do, but I'll be like, man, what are y'all doing? Can we talk about this later? I'm trying to teach here. You messing up my message. <laughs> you know, but they dropped her right in the front of his teaching. He probably said, God is good. Man, can't even get it out. And he dropped her here. And can you imagine her? Shame, embarrassed. I don't know her condition. I don't know if she got clothes on or not. They said they caught her in the very act. Accused right before Jesus. And they kept pressing him, kept pressing him. Moses said, stone her. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say? But see, they didn't know who they was dealing with. Because he had been before the Father. Amen. So Jesus knelt down. And it's just my sanctified mind what I think happened. All right. So y'all just bear with me. He knelt down. And he acted like he was writing in the sand. And I could see him pointing people out like, all right, Aaron. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he wrote down, you know, his sin. And he was like, yep. Look at this. Uh-huh. Look at this. You too. You want some? All right. Here you go. Your sin. All right. All right. But the first thing he did was he knelt down 
act like he didn't hear him. Why? Because I believe that he had an ear to hear what the father has to say, as opposed to letting this situation rush you into a decision. Sometimes we got to pause before we rush into decisions. Amen. It's okay. Take your time. You ain't got to buy that house right now. You can wait. That car calling your name, but there's a hundred cars that be calling your name. Just wait. Amen. But he wrote it down and then he stands up and he says, okay, I got it. God then gave me the word. All right, here we go. You who is without sin cast the first stone. And notice what happened. This is a revelation from God because it's in the Bible. Anyway, he said, they left from the elder to the youngest. I always wondered why was it in that order? I don't believe anything is by coincidence in the Bible. I believe it's written just like it needs to be. They left from the elder to the youngest. They were Pharisees and they were scribes. There are some elders, not in here, but there are some elders that are leading and taking this law and instead of just teaching people law, they're executing judgment with the law. So what happens is they caught this woman in adultery and I don't know if that's true or not, I just know that they accused her. And the young people are saying, how do you handle situations like this? Can y'all see truth coming around the corner? How do you handle situations like this? Do you go and stone her or do you give her mercy? But we falling to see what you are doing. But the elders was not conducting themselves like they needed to be because it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict our hearts. Let's not be out there convicting people, causing them to change because you'll never cause them to change. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It is our job to just introduce you to Christ. This is, hey, this is not the way of Christ. This is the way of Christ. So they left from the elder to the youngest. Why? Because the younger ones are following the older ones are the ones who are supposed to be mature in the faith. So they left from the elder to the youngest. I want to see what you're going to do with this thing. How many more people are watching us who just raised their hand and gave their allegiance to Christ? They're watching how we navigate situations. Are we going to get on the bandwagon of throwing stones? Are we going to offer some mercy, some grace? Now, when they leave, when they leave, where are your accusers? See, Jesus covers us first. He had to cover her first. He earned her trust. Right? He got rid of the roadblocks. He got rid of the stones. He got her out of harm's way. He got her out of harm's way. See, when you, ain't, when you gain that trust from someone, now you can give them correction. Too many times we try to give correction before we've earned trust. Oh, I know it's good. Amen. We try to give correction before we try to give them trust. Jesus earned a trust. She, he got her out of harm's way. Now, if there need be some correction, go and sin no more. I love you. There's love in the house. This is how you love a person. Get them out of harm's way first. Get them out of harm's way first. Get them by yourself so they can see, okay, I can trust you. You got my best interests at heart. Get them out of harm's way. I got two stories I'm going to tell, but I got to hurry up. I got three minutes. Here we go. I remember I was young, and I told you before, I got a loud mouth. Boy, I used to get people in trouble. I used to fight a lot because I just had a mouth. I just make you mad. You used to be like, I'm going to hit him. 
this big, you really didn't want to hit because you probably broke me, but I'm going to hit him. So one time we was at lunch, and this was in Houston. I was, at, I was uh, at junior high school, I think sixth grade or something. And I'm at lunch, and we had this silly game called chess. It's not the one with the pieces on the table, okay? This chess was, we're going to fight, and whoever quit first, we aim for the chess, down, and whoever quit first, lose. That's the game we call chess. Yeah, it was a dumb game. Don't play that game. Anyway, this guy was shorter than I was, and he bent down, and I hit him in the jaw. Bam! Oh, man, he was popular, too. He was a popular kid. I wasn't popular. And he was like, oh, oh, Smitty, oh, you hit me in my jaw. And all of a sudden, the whole school surrounds us because we came ready to fight, and the school wanted to see a fight. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What is going on? I'm in shock, you know? I thought it was between me and you. You, you didn't call the whole school. My brother, I got a twin brother, so... Yeah, it's good having some backup. He ran in there. He ran in there and he said, hey, what, what did you do, Satron? What did you do? <laughs> he said, what did you? Because he knew I always started on some trouble, man. What did you do? And my dad was like, hey, if one of y'all come beat up, both of y'all better come beat up. So he knew, hey, I don't care how I feel about you right now, but we got to fight. And then we start hearing in the crowd, the crowd starts saying, hey, let's get him. Let's jump him. So it's no longer a fight between me and him. It's a fight between me and the school. I'm scared, y'all. I'm, I'm about to get beat down. And then all of a sudden, this guy who I never spoke with, who I never talked with, came in the middle and he started turning up his sleeves. He said, if y'all want to fight them, you got to fight me. I don't know this guy from Adam, I'm telling you. And everybody in that school left that circle. They left, and it was just us three standing right there. Don't know this guy to this day, but boy, I was so thankful. We don't have to fight. But the deal is this. He never asked me, what did I do? He never corrected me. He covered me. He got me out of harm's way, and he said, anything happened, man, come see me. How much more our father? How much more he has our back? He has our back. He has your back. And you have to trust that he has your back. Y'all remember Stephen? Last thing, Stephen. They hated him because of the words that he was preaching. They said every prophet that came up, y'all destroyed him, y'all killed him. And they began to stone him. And Stephen saw Jesus standing. This is the only time in scripture that you see Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. And I believe that Jesus was standing for these two reasons. It could have went either way. Stephen could have said, God help. And I believe Jesus was just waiting on him to say, just help. I send you whatever you need. They stony you unjustly. I send you whatever you need. But he didn't do that. Go back and read it in Acts. He didn't do that. He said, Lord, lay this sin not to their account. He covered the very people who was trying to stone him. They was hitting him in his head. He covered them on his deathbed. And I could see Jesus saying, that's my boy. He's doing exactly what I taught him to do. How much more do we cover those who are being stoned? Come to their rescue because our Lord and Savior comes to our rescue. He is a good God. He's a good, good father. He's the chief shepherd. Come on. Hallelujah. He is so awesome. 
God is good. He comes to our rescue and he's applauding each and every one of us. That's my boy. That's my daughter right there. She's doing exactly what I've trained in this word. No longer do we have the mindset of the world. We are the called out ones. Amen. Hey, we're standing to our feet. Hallelujah. Thank y'all this morning. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. John chapter 6, verse 47. And we're going to take communion here. Coming out from the world, we are of a new body. We are of a different race. We are new creations. And God has did that for you, and he's done it for me. We can no longer think like we used to think. We got to come out of that. We got to gain his mind. In every situation, no matter how tough it is, Stephen was getting stoned, and he still kept the mind of Christ. And that's who we have to be, amen? So this morning, we're going to come forth and receive the elements, and then we're going to take them together, amen? Thank you for listening to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com.